Welcome, everyone, to the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined, joined via the web in Zoom by my good friend and CFF expert, Mr. Jeremy Butterball Van Curen. Butterball, how are we doing this afternoon, bud? Man, I'm good, man. Uh, is it snowing up there? No snow here yet. Uh, it was all rain. It didn't get quite cold enough uh, here in the city, but I think where you're at, kind of closer to the northeast part of the state, you guys were getting hammered with snow today, right? Yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's actually starting to dry up or starting to melt right now, like uh, you can tell. But, I mean, I think we had uh, six to seven inches from about 8 to noon this morning, or 8, 8, 8, 8 a.m. to about noon or 1230. So That's a pretty good uh, – <laughs> Pretty good rate uh, over a four-hour period. So, yeah, it was coming down. So, yeah, it's been kind of a crazy winter here in Oklahoma, right? So we've had a lot of snow, and I think more snow predicted uh, over the next couple of days, kind of leading into New Year's uh, in the in New Year's Day. So um, kind of keep an eye on the weather and obviously be safe uh, if you're out there listening to this in the car uh, on, on podcasts uh, to our listeners out there. So, well, Butter, we've got – Big 12 bowl games to talk about, right? So we had Oklahoma State and Texas both look pretty good last night in wins for the Big 12, so that's good. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the release of the AP All-American team. No shock that Bama leads uh, have, have a bunch of players on that. Uh, we're going to talk about the CFF bowl pick em game, right? Our, our kind of a bowl pick em, uh game that we do in our fantasy league. But uh, And then we're going to make some previews and picks, obviously, for the big bowl games that are left, right? Starting with tonight, our Oklahoma Sooners uh, taking on the Florida Gators uh, in the uh, AT&T Cotton Bowl down at Jerry World in uh, Arlington. So we're looking forward to all that. But before we get into it, my friend, as always, we've got to show some love to our sponsor, and of course, that's Chalk Sports Bar. Chalk is Oklahoma City's premier luxury sports bar located in Chisholm Creek Plaza at 1324 West Memorial Road. Follow Ben Chad and the whole Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at chalkokc. Again, it's the best damn sports bar in Oklahoma, and there's no better place to have a conversation about college football and watch all the games on the dozens of big screens at Chalk. Always the favorite, that's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. The best damn sports bar, period. Absolutely, and they, they've got some fun kind of a, a domestic uh, specials going on right now, right? So, uh, obviously, they had Oklahoma State last night. I'm sure there was a lot of Polk fans uh, up at uh, Chalk watching that game. we got OU tonight. Then we got Tulsa uh, tomorrow in the Armed Forces Bowl against Mississippi State, which we'll talk about that game here in a moment. But uh, $2 domestics up there. So, um, if you're uh, looking to get out and about, and again, be safe if you're out there on the roads for sure, but uh, uh, stop by Chalk, have a couple of adult beverages there, uh, a little cheaper than normal perhaps uh, from a special standpoint and uh, in Enjoy uh, all the college bowl games and all the other sports action going on at our favorite sports bar. So, well, Butter, let's get into it, my friend. So we had two bowl games yesterday afternoon. We're recording this podcast here uh, on Wednesday afternoon, December 30th. Oklahoma State over Miami Hurricanes in the uh, Cheez-It Bowl, uh, and then Texas uh, all over Colorado in the Alamo Bowl, my friend. But let's start with the Pokes. Let's start with the early game, Oklahoma State. Uh, some wild stuff going on there. De'Eric King gets injured. Tyler Wallace sees that. He decides he's going to set out the second half. But uh, your thoughts on this win by the Pokes. And again, a good win, right? So they come out of the gates really, 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 really fast, really strong. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, the Pokes come out and, I mean, that – they scored the first 21 points of the game, you know, and um, then then uh, Miami. I mean, I think uh, they went down. I think they went down and scored a touchdown, and then they got a field goal right before half, so it made it 21 to 10. But right uh, before the first half ended, uh, it looked like Derek King. I mean, he 
I, they haven't really come out and said, but I mean, to me, it looked like a knee, uh, which I know he's had, he's had trouble with one of his knees. That's why he set out uh, part of the year at Houston. But, um, you know, I mean, that, that kind of it looked like it kind of uh, made Tylen Wallace, you know I mean? Think about like his future, you know I mean? Like heck, you know I mean? Um, I could get hurt and, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm glad that Tylen Wallace at least came out and played, but you know I mean? Um, props to props to like the the Cowboys for having somebody step up. I mean, they had Brennan Presley, who I think had one or two catches coming into the game. I mean, the kid just goes off for six receptions, 118 yards, and three touchdowns. And then, um, you know, I mean, on the the, the Miami side, you had uh, the Perry kid, who was actually the starter last year. Who, I mean, he he probably uh, played in a few games this year in some mop up time. But I mean, last year, I mean, he was the guy leading the um, leading the team. And, you know, I mean, he steps in and, uh, I mean, made the game uh, probably a lot closer than what it should have been. I mean, the second half, I mean, uh, it was back and forth, back and forth. And, I mean, I thought Spencer Sanders, I mean, I thought he looked looked um, looked pretty good. I mean, there, he had some balls that, you know, I mean, that uh, that, that should have been caught and that were drops. And But, you know, I mean, uh, threw for 305 yards and four touchdowns. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty good win for the Cowboys uh, to – to finish off this uh, 2020 COVID campaign for him. Yeah, you mentioned Spencer Spencer Sanders having a great game, and he did. He got out to a fast start. You know, obviously had a connection with Brennan Presley there, as you mentioned. You know, a guy that we didn't we didn't hear a whole lot about during the regular season. Uh, and man, he just went off in the bowl game last night, as you mentioned, three touchdowns, and was obviously uh, the star receiver uh, for the Pokes in that one. Pokes they weren't really able to uh, to run the ball and kind of get anything going. Obviously, Chuba Hubbard had already opted out, and uh, we knew that he was going pro and that he wasn't going to play in the game. But Spencer Sanders, we you know we've said it all along, butter, been saying it for the last two years the kid is incredibly talented if he can eliminate the mistakes and, le- and eliminate turnovers and he really did that right and so they they had a great script coming into the game and just got out to a blazing hot start they're getting out to that 21 nothing lead and as you mentioned it yeah I mean you know Derek King going down you know at that point in time you would have thought that maybe Oklahoma State was going to boat race him right it was going to be an ass kicking but uh, give giving Kosi uh, Nikosi Perry credit uh, in that entire uh, hurricane squad for kind of fighting back and kind of coming back into that game I mean it was 21-7, you know, right when Derek King went down with the injury, and it could have really gotten out of hand. But, you know, arguably Miami was the better team in the second half, and, you know, they, their receiving crew, man, they they need some help there because they had a bunch of drops outside of yeah. tight, tight end Brevin Jordan, who was just an all-star standout, right? I know you picked him on the fantasy pick on the pod a bunch of times earlier in the season before, you know, injuries kind of caught up with him. But he looked 100% last night, and he looks like a stud at the next level, right? I mean, that guy may not be a first-round pick, but it wouldn't shock me to see him go in the second or third round he looked incredible yeah i mean i mean you think about the the big tight ends uh this year in the draft i mean you got to start with kyle pitts and then um i mean he kyle pitts is obviously probably going to be the first tight end off the board which i mean he should be i mean he could he's one of those guys that uh is a big kid that could play tight end could play h-back could line up a wide receiver but then You've got um, some other guys. I mean, um, and I, I like the, the I like the Watermeyer kid from from Texas A and M. I mean, he's he's kind of got um, that kind of size. But then you also have like Brevin Jordan and um, another guy that that's been hurt that uh, that hasn't been playing much, which um, is the OU kid Stogner. I mean, I think he's big, and I mean, he can make plays just like these guys can. 
Yeah, Brevin Jordan, I, I, I'm definitely going to keep an eye on him at the next level. He, he's definitely a, a big-time talent. And, again, we knew that going into the season. He looked really good early on and then just uh, got injured and uh, just wasn't the same. But he looked healthy uh, last night against Oklahoma State. But, again, credit uh, to Mike Gundy and the staff uh, getting their team lined out. And, again, uh, the Tylen Wallace issue, can't blame the kid. He ends up with six uh, receptions for 45 yards there in the first half and then setting out. But after you saw what happened to Eric King, and, and I'm with you, Butter, I saw the replay of that, and I don't think there's been any official word yet, but it, it looked like an ACL on that right knee whenever he was kind of planting, whenever he was rolling out trying to make a uh, Oklahoma State defender miss. So um, thoughts and prayers to him that he can come back and get healthy. He had already made the announcement that he was going to come back to Miami next year, which I think was a good decision. I don't think he was quite as polished as maybe what some of the other passers are, and it's a super deep draft for quarterbacks uh, this year, 2021, coming up in April. And so I think coming back a year was going to serve him well one way or the other, but you hope that he's healthy uh, by the time you know next Labor Day, September rolls around, and that he can rehab and get back up and running. But, yeah, coming looks like he's coming back from a second uh, ACL injury. Uh, not not sure which knee it was the first go-around. But, uh, yeah, thoughts and prayers that uh, um, he recovers and comes back and uh, and plays well for the Canes next year in 2021. So, well, well Butter, let's head down south, my friend, down to good old San Antonio uh, to where the Texas Longhorns were taking on the Colorado Buffalo. It's kind of a revival of an old Big 8 Big 12 uh, rivalry here. Uh, and the broadcast mentioned that a few times. The last time they had played was the um, was the 05 uh, Big 12 championship, that Vince Young year, uh, whenever uh, uh, Texas hung, uh, hung 70 on them in the uh, Big 12 championship en route uh, to upsetting um, USC out in the Rose Bowl and winning a, a national championship for Mac Brown and the Longhorns there. But, again, another kind of weird injury type of a situation here, Butter. Sam Ellinger plays. He gets hurt in the sometime in the second quarter. Shoulder injury doesn't come back in the second half. Enter Casey Thompson, uh, Oklahoma's own, right? Son of Charles yeah. Thompson, Oklahoma great. He looked incredible in the second half, and the Longhorns just whipped the Colorado Buffalo's butt in the second half. 55-23 was the final here. But your thoughts on Casey Thompson, and man, he, he looked like the real deal last night, right? Yeah, man. I mean, he finally got his chance, which I mean, you know, I mean, uh, he was a really, really highly recruited kid coming out of, uh, he started his career, football career at Southmore, then went to, um, ended up at Newcastle. And I mean, he was, uh, he was really highly recruited up here. And I mean, he chose Texas over Oklahoma, but um, it's one of those things, you know, I mean, God, I mean, uh, he finally got his chance. He came in uh, two, four touchdowns and I mean, looked like he really had control of that offense. Um, you know, I mean, he, the, I figured that, that he would try to, that he would run the ball, um, kind of like what, um, get more carries kind of like what Sam Erlinger did, but you know, I mean, he only carried the ball four times, which man, I mean, whenever you got, uh, Bashawn Robinson, I mean, you really don't have to, this game, they really didn't have to rely on their quarterback getting out of the pocket and, uh, doing like his own read. Cause they, I mean, Robinson, he's the real deal down there. I mean, he's obviously got to be the starter coming in next year. And yeah. then, but then, you know, I mean, uh, Sam earlier has got, um, he's got a decision to make decide to decide whether if he's going to come back next year or if he's going to go pro, which I mean, honestly, after last night's game and Casey Thompson, I mean, there could be a little bit of uh competition if he does, if he decides to stay down in Austin. 
Yeah, definitely begs that question, Butter, as to what Sam Ellinger is going to do. And obviously, they talked about it on the broadcast uh, ad nauseum last night. And I'm sure he'll take a few weeks and kind of decide and uh, talk to his family and uh, and some taking taking some advisement on that. But you you wouldn't think that he's a guy that's probably going to play quarterback at the next level, right? So maybe he gets an opportunity to do something different. When we think about guys like Blake Bell at OU has played quarterback, and then he's playing tight end or H-back uh, for the Chiefs and uh, winning a Super Bowl uh, in the NFL at the next level. So I don't know you know, how uh, Sam uh, kind of feels about that or how he fits into that, but – wouldn't shock me if he comes back, but it does kind of feel like, you know, maybe Texas, you know, from their fan base and then just from a lot of the guys and gals that we talked to on that front, that maybe maybe they are kind of ready for a clean break, right? Turn to page, look for something new. I mean, Sam, you know, God bless him. He's been there for four years, Butter, and he's been an absolutely outstanding Longhorn uh, from a statistical standpoint uh, on that front. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they just couldn't win the big ones, right? They had that Sugar Bowl win against Georgia a few years ago um, that uh, kind of Everyone thought that it was going to be different, and uh, you know, obviously, it didn't really pan out that way. But yeah, Casey Thompson again, leave it. Uh, you know, kind of making the joke before the pod, butter. It takes an Oklahoma kid to show Texas how to play quarterback, yeah. right? So we got, we got to get that jab in there as as OU guys ourselves. But yeah, he looked really, really good. And yeah, Bijan Robinson, my goodness, I mean, it was he, he had ten <laughs> carries for 180 yards, butters, almost 20 yards a carry, a couple big long ones there, and then hell, he was involved in the uh, passing game too, right? He had two receptions for 37 yards, and both of them went for touchdowns. So he he was absolutely yeah. a standout as well. But uh, yeah, Horns run for 300, rush for 300 yards. They throw for three. 35. I mean, it, it was all working um, last night for Texas. And so maybe maybe this is the launch pad that they need. Going into 2021, maybe maybe this will kind of uh, kind of you know push them uh, a little bit further. And obviously they're going to have a good recruiting class uh, coming in. They always do. But uh, Colorado, I mean, I, I think what we thought, right? So their, their record uh, perhaps uh, uh, hid uh, some deficiencies there, and maybe the record was a little better than what they actually were. And I think that that, uh, that turned out to be the case uh, last night down in San Antonio uh, as, as Texas was just uh, over overpowering and overmatched them uh, pretty much across the board. That, that Jarek Broussard kid at running back, I think he's a pretty good talent there uh, at Colorado, yeah. but uh, they need a quarterback. I don't know, they, they didn't. It didn't seem real steady. Yeah, quarterback quarterback play at Colorado, especially last night, I mean, definitely was not their strong suit. I mean, uh, the, their quarterback, I mean, they uh, Neuer, which he got the start. I mean, he ended up, I think, coming out of the game, uh, which it could have been because of poor player. It could have just been because uh, they were down so much, you know, and wanted to get another look at the guy. But, you know, I mean, uh, neither one of those quarterbacks really, really looked that great to me so yeah they're, they're hearkening hearkening back to the days of stevie montez right <laughs> something that colorado fans maybe maybe thought uh, that they they wouldn't hear for a while but uh, he was actually an underrated quarterback right and i think he, he's playing for uh he caught on with an nfl team i was at washington or or somewhere on the east coast uh, i think he's actually in the nfl as a third stringer somewhere so uh, maybe uh, maybe not quite as bad as uh, uh as what it seemed there in hindsight so well butter you know next thing on the big board my friend so ap all-american team comes out right the ap player of the year uh maybe not no surprise uh, for those in CFF circles, but Devontae Smith, wide receiver of Alabama. Uh, AP comes out with their coach of the year today, Coastal Carolina's uh, uh, Jim Chadwell. Ch- yeah, Chadwell, right, and, yeah. and totally deserving there. I think uh, Tom Allen from Indiana was second, um, and then Luke Fickle from Cincinnati was third. So all three of those guys, very, very well deserving. But uh, obviously Chadwell for uh, Coastal Carolina, I mean, he's done an absolutely amazing job. Uh, despite, you know, they, they dropped the Cure Bowl against Liberty, uh, but uh, still a great season for them. But 
No surprise butter. Alabama leads the uh, the way in the AP All-American team. Six guys to the first team. Pretty much <laughs> all their offense made it, right? So you think about Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Alex Leatherwood. So uh, OU, they, they get a couple mentions, right? Nick Benito, second team outside lineba- uh, linebacker for OU. Uh, been, been a good uh, player for the OU defense this year. And then center Creed Humphrey makes the third team uh, for the Sooners there. But any any thoughts, anything from an AP All-America uh, standout uh, uh, situation? But again, Devontae Smith wins the player of the year, maybe foreshadowing or alluding to the fact that he might be the Heisman winner as well. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Devontae Smith winning the, the player of the year, that's the first time in what is it, like the last 10 or 11 years that it, that it went to a wide receiver and didn't go to like a, a quarterback or a running back. Yep, yep. I, I believe. Right. Yeah, so I mean um, – you know, I mean that that could be the the wide receiver. I mean, it could be the wide receiver's year to win the Heisman. Uh, I mean, he's definitely deserving of it. I mean, both of the the quarterbacks. You know, I mean, um, Trask and uh, Mac Jones are definitely deserving of it as well. So, I mean, who knows? Like how the how the voters have um, have voted on that. Um, you know, I mean, it, usually it's a quarterback that wins it. But man, I mean. You've got uh, Devontae Smith, who, um, you know, I mean, after Jalen Waddle went down, I mean, really, really, I mean, he was a good receiver before Waddle went down, but he really uh, made the, the most of all of his uh, his catches. And, I mean, just kind of took Bama upon his back. I mean, uh, he had he had lots of really, really good games. Um, you know, I mean, I think um, one of the ones that I'm – most surprised with and that I think really deserve to be on there. I mean, uh, is Brees Hall from the big 12 Iowa state. I mean, great running back. I mean, you know, I mean, he ran really, really hard against us, uh, in our first meeting and then in, in the big 12 championship, we were actually kind of able to shut him down enough where we could actually win the ball game. Um, you know, I mean, and then, then you look at, uh, you look at Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask is on the second team. Kyle Pitts made the first team. Um, Hunter Long, that's another tight end that um, that that um, is kind of up there, kind of in the. I would say with the Brevin Jordan uh, makes a really big kid, makes really good play, really good plays. But yeah, I mean, um, d- deservingly, I mean Alabama. I mean each one of those kids that made the All American team for Alabama. I mean that they deserve to be on there. You know, I mean uh, that that's why they're. Um, competing for the national championship in the in the playoff this year. Yeah, maybe not so surprising that Alabama had six guys to the AP All-American team, but but maybe a little bit different flipping the script that most of them were on the offense as opposed to defense, right? So that, that's just not, right. not what we're used to. And we, again, we, we've talked about it for uh, pretty much all season long that the SEC has kind of flipped that script to where it's offense first and in uh, defense second, which again <laughs> – there was no better showing of that than the SEC championship a couple weeks ago where uh, Alabama and uh, Florida combined for damn near 100 points in that uh, fantastic SEC championship game. So, um, yeah, well, Butter, I, I guess since we're on the spot, you know, I'll put you on the spot here. You know, talking about Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask, and then crazy enough, Trevor Lawrence, he was the third team quarterback. So, it, it you know, it, it, I think it speaks to the quality of season that Mac Jones and Kyle Trask had to put a guy like uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence down to the third team. And obviously, Trevor's missed a couple games due to COVID issues, uh, obviously, most notably that Notre Dame uh, loss up in South Bend, which they avenged uh, a couple weeks ago. But uh, definitely a testament to those guys. But, you know, we know who the four finalists are, Butter. It's Mac Jones. Uh, Devontae Smith, uh, 
Kyle Trask, and Trevor Lawrence. Who would, how would you rank those guys? Who would be your one, two, three if you had a, a Heisman vote? Man, that's um, that's pretty tough. You know, I mean, especially like in the COVID the COVID year. I mean, if uh, obviously if Trevor Lawrence gets to play each and every one of his ball games, um, the remarkable career that that guy's had. I mean, you probably rate him number one. Um, and if we play a full season, I mean, you know, I mean, who who knows. Um, who else might be there? I mean, uh, but for this year, I mean, the top four finalists are for sure the the guys that deserve to be there. I mean, I would have to say that um, I would probably rank Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, and then Kyle Trask. Uh, just <clears throat> just uh, Kyle Trask being the, um, the last one on the list just because, you know, I mean, you think about uh, – the three guys that are ahead of them, I mean, uh, they combined to lose one game uh, where, you know, I mean, Florida, they, they're coming in there, they've lost three. And, um, you know, I mean, not not to put all three losses on on the quarterback's back, but, I mean, uh, as far as, like, the, the body of work for uh, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, and Trevor Lawrence, I mean, they were able to win, win the big games when they could, you know, I mean uh, – Trevor Lawrence, you know, I mean, the game that that Clemson does lose, I mean, he doesn't even play in, and then whenever he does play, I mean, they kick the shit out of Notre Dame. So, um, I, I think I think Kyle Trask has to be the the fourth guy coming in, and then then Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones and Devontae Smith, just because Devontae Smith, I mean, like I said, um, no matter who's guarded him this year, I mean, he's had big games and big performances. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think Devontae Smith would be my number one. Uh, the second, third, fourth, I think, is a little bit closer, as you as you kind of talked about. I, I think it's a little tougher uh, to maybe rank those guys. I I would probably go Devontae Smith one. I would actually go Kyle Trask two because I think it – Kyle Trask – I mean, Florida, people kind of forget about this. They didn't have a running game, right? I mean, they, he pretty much had to, had to do it all through the air. They weren't able to yeah. really run the ball consistently. And so uh, I think that that kind of factors into it for me. I would go Mac Jones third just because of the supporting cast that he has around him, being able to hand the ball off to a guy, Najee Harris, who I think finished fifth, right? He didn't make the cutoff to – I guess, make the official finalist list, but I think he ended up finished fifth in the voting that they released that. Uh, and then I'd probably go Trevor Lawrence fourth um, due to some of those things you talked about, but obviously missed a couple games due to COVID, but then statistically didn't have the best year uh, as, as what he's had in years past. But, I mean, no denying his you know value uh, to that Clemson squad. I mean, again, um, saw that showcased uh, a couple weeks ago in the ACC championship as to what Clemson was like with um, – him as opposed to without him. So, so I, I we we are in agreement that our vote would be for Devonte Smith uh, to win the Heisman for 2020. So, well, Butter, uh, you know, kind of take it back local here. Let, let's talk a little bit about our fantasy league. Again, most fantasy leagues are obviously over. We've talked a little bit about you know from last week's pod. We interviewed Brady uh, Miller. We interviewed Chad Volk. They're still in their their midst of their battle uh, for the CFFL championship. Uh, our our league there. Those bowl games are ongoing. Tonight's going to be a big, big match, right? Volk's got the Florida defense. Uh, Brady's rolling with Kyle Trask from Florida, despite the fact that their top four pass catchers have all opted out or or won't be eligible tonight due to COVID protocols on that front. So we'll see how that works out for Brady. But, you know, one of the fun things that we do to keep all the other guys in the league engaged is that we do a bowl pick them, right? 
So the last few years, we've signed up for ESPN's Capital One Bowl Mania, and so I thought it would be kind of fun to take a take a look at where we stand about halfway through the bowl season, if you will, if you want to call it that. Obviously, the New Year's Six games kick off tonight and kind of go through uh, New Year's Day and January 2nd, uh, which will kind of settle everything uh, from that standpoint. But looking at the standings here, Butter, you and I not faring so hot, but I'm 12th right now out of a out of 16. You're 14th uh, out of 16, but we've got a lot of points uh, remaining, so we can kind of catch up. But our man Parker Neal uh, jumping out to a fast lead. He's in the 98.4 percentile across the entire game right now. So Parker's uh, on a hot streak there, followed uh, closely behind by our guy Michael Palmer. Toby Fulbright, Luke Roberts, and Matt Hood. Uh, Toby, Palmer, and Luke usually do pretty good in this competition each and every year, so no surprise to see them there. But what the hell are we doing, man? Why are we down there sucking hind tit in the bowl pick butter? Well, obviously, we must have uh, <coughs> we must have gotten some bad information on our picks. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, some here's the deal. Like, on some of the games that I picked, um, whenever we – we turned it in um, this year. I didn't take into consideration uh, people that weren't playing or uh, people that had opted out or people that weren't going to play because of COVID or, um, you know, uh, coaches leaving. So, I mean, I just, I, I, I haven't changed any of my picks. <laughs> so uh, going into it, I mean, the, the picks that I picked, you know, I mean, whenever this thing started about um, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, that's, I mean, I just left them the same, but uh, obviously uh, that hasn't really helped me because a lot of the games that actually did get played, I mean, I I don't think I had the right people picked in those either. (laughs) Kind of encapsulates our fantasy performance for 2020 uh, in general, right? So is that uh, it's been lacking? I think uh, fair fair enough uh, to say that you and I have been in rebuild mode, and our our bowl pick'em has been the same. But you know, there's there's one thing I know about Parker Neal racing out to a quick lead is that he'll he'll blow it. Uh, So I I think at some point uh, maybe a Toby or a Luke. Uh, or our guy Chad Volk, right? He's always pretty uh, salty at this as well. He's right there in the middle of the pack at number seven right now. They'll make a move before it's all said and done. But uh, I would put my money based on the points uh, remaining, maybe Toby or Luke, uh, to kind of uh, edge this thing out whenever it's all said and done. They're standing there um, tied for second and fourth place, respectively, but in the 86th and 88th percentile uh, across the board. So those guys are pretty uh, pretty knowledgeable about college football and bowl pick them in general. So, But wanted to throw that in there, give some love to our guys uh, in our fantasy league in 16 years and counting on that front. So. And as of right now, it's, it's almost it's it's almost a dead heat between Brady and Volk, right? To kind of give an update there, those guys are pretty pretty close right now. Really, it kind of starts today for both of those guys uh, when most of their big time players are starting to kick off. I, I will say this uh, with with us in the standings, like where we're at, if we finish towards the bottom, um, I mean, you think about it. Me and you have a lot of ping pong balls for the first pick. So if we pick late late, late in the second round, then we'll have um, picks, high picks in the third round. So we'll have kind of back-to-back picks someplace down That's there, right. like where there's only a couple people in between our picks. So 
That's right. Yeah, I, I guess we, we got to let our listeners know is that, yeah, that's kind of been the annual tradition is that for the second round draft order, right, we do a draft lottery to determine the first round order. But for the second round, the bowl pick'em standings has always determined the order. And then from the third round through on, on third through the seventh round, if you will, it's your traditional snake format with the worst teams at the top and then kind of snaking back and forth from there. But yeah, first and second round, uh, there's always something to play for there in that uh, uh, standpoint. And the bowl pick'em has been the way that we traditionally Additionally, uh, settle the draft order for the second round of our, uh, our college fantasy draft each year in August. Uh, and of course, we'll be back at Chaka in August in 20 of 21. So I'm sure it'll be here before we know it, Butter. So, well, well man, we got to get down to making some picks for some games, bud. So let's get to it here. Uh, we've got the New Year's Six games, the playoff games, and then we wanted to make a pick for uh, the Armed Forces Bowl, which is the first one on the board, Butter. Our Tulsa Golden Hurricane, right, keeping it local, a favorite over Mike Leach in the Mississippi State Bulldogs, right? This game taking place down in Fort Worth, right? Essentially TCU's home stadium. Weather could be a factor here, but it's going to be kind of, you know, kind of a cold, wintry mix, but maybe just be cold rain um, down in the DFW area. Don't, don't know if it's going to get cold enough for it turned to a snow and sleet and ice uh, that far south, but in Oklahoma, we're, we're going to experience it. But your thoughts on Tulsa in Mississippi State against Zayvon Collins, the uh, Nagurski Award winner for TU. He has opted out, not going to play in this game. Probably a smart move, uh, given some of the things that we saw happen last night. Uh, but Tulsa still favored here. The total 45 and a half, so Vegas expecting it to be kind of a low-scoring defensive battle. But your thoughts on Tulsa in Mississippi State, bud? Man, I mean, um, <clears throat> You know how I feel about Tulsa. I mean, we've kind of talked about them uh, week in and week out uh, all year long. I mean, I mean they had a, a one-possession game loss against uh, OSU in a game where they dominated uh, OSU for three quarters and very well could have won the game. Then um, they, they've played in some tight games, and then uh, they have another one-possession game against Cincinnati. You know, uh, a game that had got postponed, and then uh, they finally got to play that game in the conference championship. So, I mean, Tulsa is is maybe two or three possessions away from being undefeated. So, um, I like Tulsa in this game. You know, I mean, uh, Mike Leach in his first year at Mississippi State. I mean, um, I think it's kind of been a disappointment down there. I mean, but you know, I mean, he's a first year coach. Uh, they came out of the gates really, really, really hot and uh, defeated the defending national championships, the defending national champion LSU, but really haven't really done much since then. I mean, I think they're I think they're two and seven or three and seven right now. Um, I like the Tulsa Gold, Golden Hurricanes to cover the points in this, but I would also lead towards the under in this because um, I don't think Mississippi State. I don't think um, they can score a lot of points, and I think Tulsa. Um, the, the games that they've been in, I mean, um, they haven't had to score a lot of points to win as well. So I, I like the under, but I like the Golden Hurricane in this to cover. I'm with you, Butter, on the under. Our man Chad Ford uh, on the BBSBC pod, he, he kind of leans towards the over here. And I was like, man, I think the weather might have an influence on this one, but uh, he thinks there might be some points scored. But, uh, you know, the, the closer this game has gotten to kickoff, Butter, the more I've started to kind of change my mind, maybe and lean a little bit towards Mississippi State. Um, you know, you think about um, you know the the chip on their shoulder, maybe coming into this game, right? You you mentioned their record. I think they're like yeah, three and eight or, or three and six or three and seven, whatever it is. That uh, maybe they don't deserve to be in a bowl game uh, on that front. And so, you know, again, I, I'm I'm a little spooked by it. But one thing that we do agree on 
is that I do anticipate it to be kind of a defensive battle, kind of a low-scoring game. And, again, I think the weather is going to be kind of nasty uh, in this one as well, which might influence the play on the field. And so um, if I'm getting the point and a half, which is what the current line is right now, I might lean towards the Bulldogs here because I do think it's going to be a close game. But I do think the under is probably the play here. I think both these defenses, even Tulsa without Zayvon Collins, I think they still play pretty good defense. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of a, a run the ball in the weather might uh, not really play uh, up to a, a passing offense, which you would assume would hurt Mississippi State more. But I, I like the under in this one uh, as well. So, uh, well, Butter, we got to get to our game tonight, man. The Oklahoma Sooners taking on the Florida Gators uh, down in Jerry World. Uh, the Cotton Bowl, first of the New Year's Six, kind of the big bowl games uh, taking place at 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, so we're recording this a few hours before kickoff here. This line has been all over the place, Butter. It opened with the Gators as a three-point favorite. It shifted 10 points to where the Sooners are now favored by 7.5. The total has also come way down. I think this got up to 71.5, 72 at one point. It's at setting currently at 64.5. So uh, definitely going to be some changes there. But obviously – uh, predicated upon the Florida, uh, a lot of the Florida guys opting out, right? So I think the top four pass catchers for uh, for that Florida offense are all Tony opting Pitts, out. Yeah, yeah, yep. Grimes and Copeland, right? They're all out of this game. So the question inevitably turns to who's Kyle Trask going to throw the ball to? Because obviously the Gators haven't been able to run the ball consistently all season long. Your thoughts on the Gators and Sooners tonight in the Cotton Bowl, bud? Man, I would have loved to have walked that game whenever Florida was favored by three points. No doubt. <laughs> Um, but man, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be a really, really good game. I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I would still lean towards the over in this matchup because I think even though that Florida doesn't have, um, their top four pass catchers, I mean, they've still got guys that they can throw the ball to, uh, now is that offense going to be as, as potent as it was if this, if Tony or Pitts were in there, I don't think it will be, um, I mean, honestly, like, if if you're going to ask me to pick this game, I mean, I, I think OU wins this game by by 10 points. Uh, I would take the Sooners, and I would lean towards the over because I think there's going to be more points than 64-and-a-half scored. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go against you here, Butter. I like the under in this game now. Again, I think I think Florida, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to change things, right? Whenever your top four pass catchers are out, despite the fact that they've got an incredible quarterback, again, a Heisman finalist, and Kyle Trask. I think Oklahoma's defense um, has been underrated, right? Maybe hasn't gotten as much attention as probably what it should have. And I know it's something that you and I have talked about and some of the other uh, friends of the pod and listeners that we've texted and tweeted back and forth about is that arguably this OU team is more complete than the teams that have actually made it to the playoff throughout the last four years or whatever it's been, right? That, those teams were all offense, and the defense were awful. Uh, the defenses were awful. Whereas this team, a little more balanced, right? Maybe the offense isn't quite as good. They run the ball maybe a little bit better with Ramon J. Stevenson, but the defense is much, much better as well. So maybe a more complete team uh, from the Sooner standpoint whenever it's all said and done. So um, I like the under. I like OU to cover here. Uh, that hook scares me just a hair. Uh, I'd prefer that to be seven or six and a half from a Sooners favorite standpoint, but I'm with you. I think it's going to be a little lower scoring, say 31 uh, to 20, 
somewhere in that ballpark. I think 10 points, give or take, is probably about right. We're on the same page there. But I just don't think there's going to be as many points in this one whenever it's all said and done. Hope I'm wrong. Hope it's an entertaining game and, and, and goes back and forth, and it's going to be fun to watch. But uh, I think the defenses will show up here tonight. And for Florida's sake, I think they have to. So a uh, little, little lower scoring than maybe what the experts think. So. Well, Butter, let's move on to the next big bowl game, and that's going to be the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl down in Atlanta. And so kind of a home game for the Georgia Bulldogs, right? Uh, Georgia favored in this one over Cincinnati by 7.5, the total 50.5. We've seen it so often, Butter, these these uh, group of five teams uh, that get into the New Year's six-day game, right? So they got a chip on their shoulder. They're coming in. Cincinnati's definitely going to fit that mold this year. Again, saying, hey, look, we went undefeated. We did everything we they asked us to do. We still didn't get a sniff of the playoff, uh, and then they put us in essentially a road game against the Georgia Bulldogs uh, there in Atlanta. I think Cincinnati's going to be fired up for this one, but uh, your thoughts on Bulldogs and Bearcats on Friday morning? Man, I mean, I would um, – I like the, the over in this game as well. Um, but like you said, I mean, I think Cincinnati's going to have um, a chip on their shoulder, but I think both teams are going to be able to score some points. Uh you know, I mean, Georgia's going to be able to 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 run the ball. Um, I mean, they're going to – Daniels, I'm assuming, is going to start at quarterback. Yep, he is. Um, you know, I mean, Ritter is is going to throw the ball, do what he does. But, I mean, I like Cincinnati in this. I mean, I've been a Cincinnati fan uh, kind of all year long. I mean, I like Luke Vickle, so I like Cincinnati over Georgia. I'm with you. Um, I think if you get that hook, right, so if it's Georgia minus seven and a half, I'm taking those points from a Cincinnati perspective. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm going opposite of you on the total again, Butter. I like the under in this game. I think both these teams play big boy defense, and I think that's one of the things, you know, a lot of people were focusing in on Cincinnati and, and certainly in the discussion about the playoff and saying, well, you know, look, they're just, they're just not as good as these, these other teams. Offensively, I might agree with that. But defensively, I think they're just as good as some of these other teams, right? And so we knew and heard all about this vaunted Georgia defense kind of coming into the season, and they're going to be awesome, right? And, you know, Florida, you know, hangs a you know 40 spot on them. Uh, uh, Alabama, you know, hangs hangs 41 points on them, whatever it is. And so not to say that they're not good, but I think that maybe they're not quite as good as what a lot of people were, were predicting them to be, whereas I think Cincinnati is a legit defense. And so um, I think the defenses will show up in this game. Cincinnati's going to be fired up and ready to go. I think it's going to be close. I think JT Daniels is an upgrade at quarterback for Georgia. We've seen that over the last few weeks. It wouldn't shock me if the Bulldogs maybe kick a field goal late to win this thing. But I think Cincinnati earns the respect here, and uh, and they keep it close. Um, they play big boy big boy football across the, uh, uh, the defensive fronts there. And so I think it's going to be close and give me the under in this one. So Let's go out west, Butter. The PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Uh, the Oregon Ducks, again, kind of circuitous route to get here, uh, taking on the Big 12's Iowa State Cyclones. Iowa State favored in this one by four, four and a half, depending upon your book. The total here, 57 and a half. Uh, who you got out in the desert, uh, Butter? Ducks versus Cyclones on Friday afternoon. This is a game that I would go on the under with. Um, man, I mean, I Oregon, you know, I mean, I just don't think that they uh, have the same high-powered offenses that they used to have uh, that they've had in, in years past. And um, in this game, I mean, I think Iowa State um, has a chip on their shoulder. I mean, they want to have the one of the best years that they've had in their program's history in a long time. I mean, I expect Brees Hall and Brock Purdy to be able to, to, um, to do what they want on offense. But, you know, I mean, Iowa State plays – 
really, really solid defense as well. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with Iowa State, but I like the under in this one. I, I like that pick, Butter. I, I hope you're right, okay? I, I like Iowa State as well. I want Iowa State to win. You know, I'll say that I'm somewhat interested in what their mindset is going to be, Butter. So, um, you know, they got so close, right? So, so close to winning their first conference championship in you know, 100 years or whatever it was, right? So, on the Big 12 championship uh, leading up to it, there was all kinds of uh, uh, commentary about it. It had been 100 years since they'd won a conference championship, you know, I think Matt Campbell is going to get this team ready to go and ready to play. And I hate being the Grinch on this, Butter, because we think about bowl games being a ton of points scored and all kinds of exciting offense and, and whatnot. But I think this is another game that's going to go under. And so I think both these teams are going to play defense. And, and you know, I think there's still a little bit of a stigma about Oregon you know, under that Chip Kelly type of offense, right, where they're throwing it all over the place and they're spreading it out and running it, you know, left and right. They're a much more physical team uh, under head coach Mario Mario Cristobal, and so they kind of line up and like to punch you in the mouth. And so I think the under is the play here. I would lean towards maybe the Oregon Ducks if I'm getting four and a half because I do think it's going to be a close game. And I think Oregon's going to have that chip on their shoulder coming in as well. Everybody's saying, hey, look, that team doesn't belong to be here. They backdoor their way into the Pac-12 championship, you know, despite the fact that they beat USC there in the Pac-12 championship. I think they might be the more motivated team whenever it's all said and done. Again, I think Iowa State somewhat deflated after uh, missing out on their first conference championship, although I think Matt Campbell will get them ready to go. One interesting thing, Butter, both the quarterbacks in this game are are Phoenix kids, right? So uh, Brock Purdy from the Phoenix area uh, and then Tyler Shuck uh, for Oregon uh, in and around the Phoenix area as well. So kind of a homecoming there. We'll see if that plays into it for either one of those guys. But, uh, yeah, and I should say I said Friday afternoon. This game's Saturday afternoon. This is on the 2nd at 3 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday the 2nd. So, well, well, next game up, Butter, the Orange Bowl, the Texas A&M Aggies against Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels here. Uh, A&M favored in this one by 7.5. The total here is 65.5. A&M probably going to be a little pissed off, right? So they were the fifth team. They just got left out of the playoff consideration. Uh, North Carolina kind of had a late surge. Uh, uh, they looked so good against Miami a few weeks ago, kind of their regular season finale, hanging 62. But North Carolina – Similar to the Gators, all their offensive stars have pretty much opted out, right? So both running backs, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, uh, De'Ami Brown, wide receiver. Sam Howell go- uh, is there. He's going to play. So they still got a good quarterback back there. But you got to think it's going to impact North Carolina whenever it's all said and done. Who you got in this one, bud? Aggies versus the Tar Heels. Man, like you said, I mean, I think you touched on it pretty well. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, they've lost uh, a lot of their offensive firepower. Texas A&M. I think Jimbo Fisher is going to have those guys ready to play, come out pissed off, prove a point. Uh, I like Texas A&M and the points. And if I had to lean towards the over-under, I would lean towards the under because um, I don't think North Carolina can score as many points I'm with you. I finally brought you over to the dark side. I got you to pick an under. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the under in this one as well, bud. So, I, again, I think all those opt-outs for North Carolina is going to catch up with them uh, at a certain point. And, and so I think it's going to have an impact on that offense, despite the fact I think Sam Howell is still a fantastic college quarterback, and he's going to sling it around there. But, you know, A&M kind of turned into a smash-mouth type of defensive team down the end of the uh, the stretch there in the SEC slate, right? We think about, you know, what they did against Auburn, what, what they did in that last game against Tennessee, I mean, they were really kind of super physical on defense and were able to run the ball. And so I think that's what they're going to try to do here. Tends to lean towards the under uh, whenever those styles kind of clash. And so uh, I'm with you. I like the Aggies to win this and cover. 
and I like the under in this game. I think they're going to do it with the, the run game, uh, and they're going to do it behind a, a tough defense. So, Well, Butter, let's get to the big ones, man. The Rose Bowl on Friday afternoon. We're still calling it the Rose Bowl, despite the fact that it's going to be played in Jerry's world <coughs> um, down in Arlington, but it's Notre Dame. Number four, Notre Dame against number one, Alabama. No surprise that the Crimson Tide are a big, big favorite here, 19 and a half. Uh, currently, from a spread standpoint, the total here is 65 and a half. Any chance at all that Notre Dame pulls the upset on Friday afternoon, bud? I don't think so. Um, but in this game right here, I would I would take Notre Dame in the points. Um, man, I mean, I, Alabama's really, really good. Notre Dame is pretty good um you know i mean i do think alabama uh will come out and make a statement because i mean i think that they deserve to after they win this ball game they deserve to be in the the, they will deserve to be in the national championship and i mean they've got a lot more firepower but i also think that um that notre dame's not going to lay down um i think uh three touchdowns is a lot of points uh so i mean i would I would take Notre Dame. I don't think that they're going to win, but I think that they will keep it under 19 and a half points. I hope you're right, Butter. I hope it's an entertaining game. Again, Notre Dame should have all the motivation in the world, right? They're in that same position where people are saying, hey, we don't know if they really belong. Right, Every time they get into the playoff, they get their butts kicked, right? We're, we're kind of used to that from an OU perspective, right? The last few times we've made it, uh, you end up getting, getting your butts kicked uh, in the playoff semifinal. I think they should be motivated, but I think Alabama is going to be motivated too. <laughs> and I think across the board, the Jimmys and Joes uh, at Alabama are probably just a little bit better uh, than those at Notre Dame. And so I think that line's pretty close, Butter. Uh, I, I do think it's going to be a 41 to 20 type of game, 41 21, somewhere in that ballpark. I can see maybe Notre Dame scoring one late to flirt with the backdoor cover here, but I don't think there's going to be any doubt. Alabama's going to jump out on them and going to have the game in control. And then whether they kind of step on the pedal and are able to separate, that's kind of the question in this game. But I think Alabama gets all over them early. I think the total is probably in the same, about the right right spot as well, maybe the low 60s, mid-60s there. Um, I would lean towards the under just because I've been doing that for all the bowl games. But uh, Alabama's going to win the game. I think we're both uh, in agreement there. But I have Alabama as a slight cover. You have Notre Dame as the cover, so we'll go heads up on that one. So, the bigger game, right. I, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, the uh, the bigger game, in my opinion, butter at least maybe the more interesting game is the nightcap on Friday, and that's the Sugar Bowl. Number three, Ohio State against number two, Clemson. I mean, this this thing's been kind of spicy, right? So these two teams squared off in the playoff last year. It got a little chippy at the end. Clemson kind of had that big comeback after the cheap shot on uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, against the Buckeyes after the Buckeyes jumped out to a big lead there. Um, you know, we have Dabo Sweeney ranking the Buckeyes 11th in the coaches poll, right? Um, they, these two don't like one another. Um, and I am super pumped and geared up for the Sugar Bowl on Friday night, bud. But Clemson favored in this one by seven and a half. Total in this one, 66 and a half. Who you got, Buckeyes or Clemson uh, on in the Sugar Bowl? Man, like I said, um, Ohio State's there. I, I don't think that they actually really deserve to be there. But, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Um, they are there this year. Um, I like Clemson in this game. I think Clemson will come out. And uh, I think Dabo Sweeney, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, I think that they're going to make a statement. I think Dabo's going to have his uh, 
his his troops ready to go, um, and he's going to show them why he voted him number eleven. So um, I like Clemson in this game, man. Uh, like I said, I don't think that uh, you look at all four of the the playoff teams. I mean, Ohio State. I mean, if they play ten games, they're they're going to lose two games. I mean, uh, the Big Ten is is down this year, so I mean, um, I, I don't think that. Uh, like I said, Ohio State, they're in there this year, but I think that they're the most undeserving team to be in there this year. I think that there's some other schools that should be in there, but uh, it is what it is, um, and I'm going I'm going Clemson. I like it. Butter butter jumping on the Dabo uh, bus and throwing some shade at the Buckeyes here, so I, I like it, bud. You know, I'm kind of with you. I mean, at some point in time, you know, you, you are what you are, right? So kind of what you see is what you get, and it's not as if Ohio State's just had an absolute ton of impressive performances, right? We think about, you know, some of the bigger games that they had. You know, obviously, they, they struggled with Northwestern, right, in the Big, the Big Ten Championship game. They were losing that game at half. They come back and uh, uh, find a way to, you know, essentially hand the ball off to Trey Sermon to win that game. But, you know, think about the game against Indiana. They were a little bit exposed on defense there, maybe after getting out to a big early lead there. And then the other game that we thought was going to be a big one all the way back in the second week for the Buckeyes against Penn State, you know, they kind of they, they struggled to put Penn State away, which was, I think as the season progressed, we found out that, as you mentioned, the Big Ten's down and Penn State wasn't that good. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you, you think about all the motivational factors, right? And Ohio State's got that in their, their uh, corner saying, hey, look, nobody wants us to be here. They don't think we're deserving. You know, we're going to go out and show everybody wrong. We're a talented team. I think they are a talented team, but so is Clemson, right? And uh, and I'm with you. I think it's an inevitability that we end up with an Alabama-Clemson national championship yet again, uh, but they're the two best teams, right? And, and I don't think had we been under the old BCS era, uh, whenever we picked one versus two and those two teams played – I think we would end up with the same two teams no matter what, right? If there was an eight-team playoff, which everybody's always bitching and clamoring about, hey, we need to expand the playoff and put eight teams in there, we would end up with Alabama and Clemson. I just don't don't think that it would matter a great deal. They're the two best teams with a bullet, uh, and I think that we're, we're going to see those two teams square off in a couple weeks' time uh, uh, for the national championship yet again. So we're on the same page here. I like Clemson to win. I like Clemson to cover. Uh, and just for shits and giggles, I'll take the over on this one, Butter, since I took the under on all the other ones. <laughs> um, a lot of points in this one. I think Clemson, Clemson's going to score a lot of points. So, uh, Well, Butter, let's make some bowl fantasy picks, my friend. So, obviously, uh, we we weren't able uh, uh, to, to kind of do it last We wanted to save it, I guess, for last week, given we, we uh, kind of gave some time to Brady and Chad in our CFFL league uh, on that standpoint. So, uh, But we want to pick the games that essentially start today, right? So, we're starting with... With the Cotton Bowl tonight, Oklahoma, Florida, and kind of moving forward from there. So a limited slate of games, and so we overlap. We have a lot of the same guys uh, from a pick standpoint. But uh, um, give me your two quarterbacks, Butter. Who you going with uh, during bowl week? Right. Let's say it's a from from today, December thirtieth through January second. Who's going to be your fantasy list for our DFS players out there? I like Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma versus the Florida Gators, and I like Mac Jones of Alabama. I like it again. <sighs> Mac Jones, you, you definitely got to roll with him. I'm going to do the same, Butter. Uh, I like Mac Jones as well. Uh, but then give me Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, right? So I don't know that he's going to go out and throw 405 touchdowns as to what we maybe are accustomed to uh, during the regular season slate in the ACC. But I think he's going to play well. I think he's going to be fired up. I think he's going to try to make up for lost time, uh, given he missed a couple of those games in the regular season. 
And man, I, I'm just I'm fired up for that Sugar Bowl, bud. That's going to be a fun, fun game there. So, uh, but let's go running backs, butter. Who you got at running back, my friend? I like Travis Etienne of Clemson, and I like Najee Harris of Alabama. Again, two tried and true studs there. So no arguments for me, butter. I'm going to go with our guy, Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma tonight against that Florida Florida defense. Again, I think OU, the running game has progressed and gotten better. Again, not uh, coincidentally, the, since uh, Ramondre Steven, uh, Stevenson came back from suspension. Uh, so I think he's going to be involved in the passing game as well. I can see him slipping out and getting some screen passes here and there as well. And then, yeah, we're on the same page with Najee Harris. I think you roll out all those Alabama studs, uh, uh, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, and Devontae Smith. Uh, can't go wrong with those guys. And so, yeah, good good picks on that standpoint, uh, Butter. But uh, let's talk wide receivers, man. Who you got at wide receiver uh, for bowl, these bowl games, bud? Devontae Smith of Alabama and Marvin Mims of Oklahoma. I like it. I like it. I'm with you. Uh, on the uh, on the Devonte Smith uh, uh, pick, butter I like that pick as well. And so, from a a wide receiver two standpoint, butter you know, I kind of struggled with this. I went back and forth. You know, we thought we were going to do this pod maybe a little earlier in the week, and so I mean, I was I was had some other guys that I was considering on that front. Uh, but um, you know, I'm going to settle on North Carolina's Daz Newsom. Okay, and my my reasoning here is that. Everybody else opted out for UNC, and so uh, I think that uh, he's going to be one of the few options that's going to have you know a rapport built up with uh, Sam Howell from uh, from North Carolina. Again, North Carolina taking on a tough Aggies team down in the Orange Bowl, but I like Daz Newsom as my wide receiver too, simply because uh, both running backs are out: Javante uh, uh, Williams and Michael Carter, and then Deami Brown has opted out as well. And so Sam Howell's going to have to throw it to somebody, right? And so it might as well be Daz Newsom. But let's go. Tight ends, Butter. Again, you're, you're staying in the Orange Bowl here, right? So with your tight end pick. I like Jalen Wattemeyer of Texas A&M versus UNC. Like I said, I mean, he's uh, he's kind of one of those guys that uh, could play tight end, H-back, wide receiver, big kid, and whenever he catches the ball, he makes plays. I like it. Good pick. And again, big wide body, good uh, uh, a red zone target as well. In that similar mode, I'm going to go with Iowa State's Charlie Kohler. Uh, but again, Norman kid, right? So right here in Oklahoma, rooting for him to play well and finish his career strong uh, for the Cyclones out in the Fiesta Bowl against Oregon. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Charlie Kohler. But for your flex position, you're sticking with an Iowa State Cyclone as well, right? I'm going to take uh, Brees Hall of Iowa State. Um, like I said, I mean, obviously, I mean, he was the the workhorse and probably the top running back in the Big 12 this year. I mean, and, and it showed uh, – he, he made first-team All-American. So, I mean, um, like I said, Iowa State likes to run the ball. Brees Hall will run the ball and do it well. I like that pick, Butter. So, I, I agree with you on that front. I'm going to go down the board a little bit here, kind of a little bit off the beaten path, but give me Mississippi State's receiver Jaden Wally. Right, so and I know we talked about weather might be a factor in that game, but I mean he has really come on late for Mississippi State, and it's kind of shown himself to be their top offensive weapon. Um, and again, they're 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 going to have to do something, right? So and, and I think that he's going to be involved. 
you know, whether it be screen passes or whether it can be some reverses, right? They may even, you know, he gets some carries from time to time as well. But he's a dynamic playmaker for Mike Leach's Mississippi State Bulldogs. And so it uh, wouldn't shock me if he gets loose a couple of times on that tough, tough Tulsa Golden Hurricane defense uh, down in Fort Worth on Friday, uh, but or on Thursday, I should say. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Jaden Wally uh, from Mississippi State. But let's go kickers, Butter. Again, we show love to kickers here. Who you got, Bud? I'm going to go with our game tonight. I'm going to go with uh, Evan McPherson of Florida versus Oklahoma. Hopefully a lot of field goals and not a lot of extra points, my friend. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, Clemson's BT Potter, right? Because I do think there's going to be a lot of points in that game uh, against uh, Ohio State uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Again, it's in a dome. I love picking kickers in a dome. Uh, And so give me BT Potter, whether it be a few field goals and some extra points or maybe a lot of extra points whenever it's all said and done. So we'll see. But – Defenses win championships, Butter, even on the DFS slate, my friend. Who you going with as your defense for bowl week? Give me the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Again, we've talked about it. Uh, a Against low, a lowly, lowly Mississippi State team. <laughs> that's, that's right. We <laughs> talked about it. It's going to be a, a low total, right? Vegas doesn't expect there to be a lot of points in that one as well. Uh, and probably going to be some weather uh, down in Fort Worth too. So not a bad pick, Butter. I'm going to go with the Auburn Tigers uh, against um, Northwestern. Uh, Again, I think a lot of people are taking Northwestern's defense uh, on that front. Uh, Auburn Northwestern slated to kick off in the Citrus Bowl uh, at noon uh, Central Time, 1 p.m. Eastern uh, there on New Year's Day. But, uh, I mean, Northwestern's defense I think is really, really good, but I don't think their offense is very good. And so I think stacking that up against the athletes that Auburn's going to have – I don't know what Auburn's mindset is going to be, Butter, right? So you get a new head coach coming in, right? They, they fire uh, Gus Malzahn. They got to Brian Harson coming in. Um, but I think that they might be motivated because I think it's going to be kind of a, you know, a interviewing for the new guy. Uh, and so I think Auburn will be fired up and ready to go in this one. So give me the Auburn Tigers defense as my defense for bowl week. So. Well, Butter, I think that just about does it, my friend, uh, for this uh, kind of abbreviated pod, right? So we're kind of through most of the fantasy season, but we're going to have some good off-season content for our listeners as well, kind of getting geared up for you know players that might be declaring for the draft transfers and uh, kind of following recruiting and spring football. It'll be here before we know it, but for our listeners out there, Butter, anybody who's seeking some fantasy advice here in Bowl Week, my friend, how can they get at you, Bud? So throw that Twitter handle out there. I'm at Jeremy underscore Van Curener, a.k.a. the Fantasy Fessional, and that is J-E-R-E-M-Y underscore V-A-N-C-U-R-E-N. Fantastic, brother. Well, as always, my friend, I enjoyed uh, this uh, this pod with you as well. Again, look forward to having you back in the studio in the new year, bud. So, uh, kind of, I guess I can say I'll see you next year, but um, yeah, that's obviously a bad joke there. But um, <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna cut it loose here, butter, because we're gonna get geared up and get fired up for the cotton bow here in a moment. And and so for everyone out there, again, we appreciate it. Twenty uh, twenty has come to an end. It's been a tough year for all of us, but uh, you know, looking forward to twenty twenty one and looking forward to. Uh, uh, kind of year two, uh, if we will, of the CFF Commissioner's Corner podcast uh, next year. But we'll come back and we'll recap the playoff and have a preview for the national championship game as well uh, at some point next week, I'm sure. And so while this will wrap it up for this episode, everyone, remember the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the bowl games this weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Take care.